It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Support for this podcast comes from the first one with DJ Khaled, a new podcast only available on Amazon Music. What's up, y'all? This is DJ Khaled, and this is the first one. I talk to the most iconic artists on the planet about songs that didn't change the game, but changed their life. We hear from all the A-list music stars like J Balvin, Nas, and Kelly Rowland, who tell their stories about their first hits that took them to being overlooked to being overbooked. Join me every Thursday, only on Amazon Music. That's for my crazy day. My pack commute. All those unread emails in my inbox. But I'm getting stronger, faster, and pushing myself further every day. I don't care if I'm not like everyone else. This punching bag is the best way to end my day. (laughs) Fearless is knowing yoga isn't your style. That's the power of the Blue Cross and Blue Shield Federal Employee Program. Learn more about our healthy benefits at fepblue.org slash getmore. This is the Locked On Bengals podcast. I'm James Erpine. A lot to get to today on Twitter at James Erpine at Locked On Bengals. You can subscribe on iTunes and Audioboom.com. Man, oh man, did Marvin say something that pissed everyone off yesterday? We're going to get to that. You're also going to hear. You heard from Jay Kirkpatrick yesterday. Today, Cedric Abwehi. Come on down. You're going to hear my conversation with the Bengals starting left tackle in just a bit. But let's get to these Marvin Lewis comments because Marvin, Marvin, Marvin had something to say. The touchdown celebration rule, well, now the NFL wants to allow it. They're getting rid of the rule where they throw the penalty if Antonio Brown twerks or Odell Beckham does a dance. And fans everywhere are excited. And I don't blame you. I love touchdown celebrations. Hell, I think it's good to celebrate when you have a victory. When you do well, when you work your ass off for eight, eight to ten to twelve months in some players' cases, out of the year, when you score ten, twelve times a year, I, I don't blame you for scoring and, and celebrating. Heck, you might score once or twice in your career. I don't blame you for jumping into the end zone and then jumping into the crowd or spiking the ball or flexing or doing whatever you do. Whatever player does, I don't. It doesn't bother me. I like it. Love Chad Johnson when he celebrated. Love all that, as you, most fans do. Most fans love that stuff. So yesterday, when the NFL decided to allow touchdown celebrations again, and this via ESPN.com, Catherine Terrell talked with Marvin, and Marvin said, quote, I'm not for that at all, meaning not for touchdown celebrations. Marvin says, we had a good standard And the whole standard has always been you want to teach people how to play the game the correct way and go about it the correct way. And that's not a very good example for young people. Oh, man. And people started shredding Marvin. And it's because he said that and. That's not a very good example for young people. Pro Football Talk Mike Florio, he tweeted out this. Coach of team, which drafted a woman puncher, Thinks allowing touchdown dances sets a bad example for children. And see, Marvin set himself up because now everyone, Twitter sphere, everyone had the same article. The same damn article. Well, Marvin, keeping Adam Jones around. Joe Mixon, gonna draft him. And touchdown celebrations are a big deal. That's the bad example, Marvin. That's what everyone went with. And it was easy and it was the low hanging fruit. And I get it. 
How about this? He might not have said it correctly, but the majority of what Marvin said was correct. He was right. He's the head coach of an NFL football team who said, I'm not for touchdown celebrations at all. We had a good standard, and the whole standard has always been you want to teach people how to play the game the correct way and go about it the correct way, period. If he ends it there, he's 100% spot on. Every coach in the league probably feels that way. But he said, and, that's not a very good example for young people. Shouldn't have said it. Shouldn't have said it because then it gives everybody, including Mike Florio, local, national, everyone's talking about it and saying it and going about it, well, the way a lot of people very predictably would. Take out that last part. Every coach feels that way. You think coaches want to worry about choreographed touchdown dances? Planned touchdown dances? No. Zero. Zero. The head coach is the the damn captain. The head coach is the man. Position coaches, yeah, they're closer with the the you know the Jeremy Hills. The running backs coach is closer to Jeremy Hill. Talks to Jeremy Hill more. Might not have as much of a problem with it. Remember back Chad Johnson, the most famous probably end zone celebrations in history, came from Chad Johnson. Hugh Jackson was the wide receivers coach. They were really, really, really close. Still are today. It's different when you're the head coach. You can't, not only do you not want to encourage that stuff, you want to keep all that stuff reined in. The last thing Marvin Lewis wants to do is have this offense with John Ross and Joe Mixon scoring all these touchdowns, and then he has Chad 2.0 and John Ross, and Joe Mixon, who's got plenty of off-the-field stuff that he's going to keep answering questions for, especially if he's really good. He doesn't want him celebrating in the end zone. So I get that. And even take those guys out. I get why, as a coach, you wouldn't want your team having crazy outlandish celebrations. That doesn't mean celebrate and yell and hit your helmets together, spiking the ball. But he doesn't want the, the Tiger Woods fist pump with the, like, oh, the, you know, the, how many dances did Chad have? I mean, he had all the dances. I remember in 2010 on Monday Night Football, Terrell Owens does the robot in the end zone, despite the Bengals being like two and five. Stuff like that, I get why a head coach wouldn't want it. I get why a head coach would not encourage and really go the opposite way and say, hey, we, we don't need any of this. Especially when you have young, impressionable players on your team right now. Tyler Boyd, still young. Love the dude. Still young. Cody Core, young. Josh Malone, young. John Ross, young. Joe Mixon, young. A.J. Green, probably not going to celebrate a ton. Andy Dalton, you know, celebrate, run down the field. But they don't do crazy dances. You know, Colin Kaepernick used to kiss his bicep back in the day. Chad Johnson did his. T.O. has his. Odell Beckham has his currently. Antonio Brown has his. I get why Marvin Lewis, especially because him and Chad didn't always get along. That's no secret. He looks at that, oh, first seven years I had to deal with this dude. He was really, really good, but he celebrated all the damn time. I don't want these young guys to think they can celebrate. So I get why Marvin said it. I also get why people reacted the way they did because that last sentence was just dumb. It was just dumb. It was fine until he said, that's not a very good example for young people. That was it. 
that that's it. Take that out, and he's fine. And it makes sense, and the quote is completely, it doesn't make headlines. But instead, oh, Marvin, oh, he's such a freaking hypocrite. Not a good example for young people. The majority of what Marvin said was right from his perspective, from every coach's perspective. Talk to coaches. Why would, why would a coach want you to have a choreographed pre-planned dance? That would be like if you worked in sales, planning a golf outing the last day of the quarter. And if you hit your mark, sales mark, you're going to go golfing. That's it. You're going to go golfing. What if you don't hit that mark? You could have spent that time you, you spent calling the golf company and buying the clubs and, and renting all the stuff and getting it together and making sure everyone in your office can go. All that time planning that could have been spent on selling and maybe reaching your goal. And then you could celebrate. That's the coach's job, to reel it in. It's not your job. It's not my job. You guys obviously want to celebrate pump fake or pump fakes, spikes and, and celebrations. Absolutely love it. As a fan, I get why you, you are excited that the NFL did this. I also understand Marvin Lewis's perspective. I hope you guys do too. I'm James Rapine. This is the Locked On Bengals podcast on Twitter, at James Rapine, at Locked On Bengals. You can subscribe on iTunes and audioboom.com. And Cedric Abwehi's been the, the topic and subject of a lot of scrutiny, and deservingly so. He struggled a lot last year. I was able to sit down with him for a brief conversation yesterday at Paul Brown Stadium. Here's my one-on-one. With Bengals left tackle Cedric Abwehi. How's the offseason going? It's going good. Uh, I think it was running, running smoothly. Uh, I'm just glad to be out there. What was, uh, at the end of the season, I assume every player looks at back on their season and, and has a goal or two of the offseason. What were some of your goals moving ahead, moving forward to 2017? Yeah, just like you said, just move ahead. Uh, last year was last year and just worry about this year and really improve I mean, all aspects of my game. And... I think I've done that. I think I'm still doing that. Now, Andrew Whitworth obviously leaving is such a, uh, a topic. It's something where you're going to talk about inside the locker room, I guess, some and outside of it. Uh, we certainly talk about it on the radio. Is that something where obviously you want to play? In the competitor in you, you want to play. So now there's a door for you uh, to, to potentially have a big role on this team in 2017, but it's tough to see a guy that, that was a leader leave. Yeah. For sure. Uh, I mean, I'm happy for him. Uh, obviously, make a lot of money, so uh, I mean, I'm glad. I'm happy for him, uh, and just happy for my opportunity uh, to play that tackle. Uh, he's texting me all the time, encouragement. So, we move on. What kind of relationship have you formed with the guy to your left, Andre Smith? Oh yeah. I mean, I've known him my rookie year. Uh, rookie year, uh, it's kind of took me in a little bit. So, I mean, great, great friends, and uh, glad to have him back. This offense obviously added weapons. I mean, uh, another running back, two wide receivers. Yeah. Seems like the sky is kind of the limit. I mean, Andy's in his prime, AJ's in his prime. How do you feel uh, being an offensive lineman on an offense that, that could be pretty good this year? Yeah, uh, I feel like it's all on the, the O-line this year because we have all the weapons, and uh, I think it's on us. And we, uh, we're glad for that, for that pressure. Uh, we like the, the pressure and uh, ready for it to, to prove a lot of people wrong. Yeah, absolutely. What, what, what was... It's obviously just first first day here. What was the first day like? It was good. Uh, obviously a little rusty, uh, a little tired. Uh, I get used to getting in that position that many times. But overall, I think it went pretty well. That's Cedric Abwehi. Talked to him yesterday in the Bengals locker room. And I will say this. It became apparent early, early, early on in that interview when I asked him about the offseason how self-aware he was. 
about improving, about putting last year behind him. I, that wasn't me saying that, putting those words in his mouth. That was Cedric Abwehi saying, yeah, I kind of need to bury that and move on, move forward. And w- when he says stuff like that, and then when he has the self-awareness to say, I want to prove people wrong, I like that. Now, I'm not saying it's going to happen, but I'll tell you this. If, you know, I, I can usually only speak for myself on this stuff, but if I felt like I was doubted and I really struggled at something, but I was giving an, given another chance, another opportunity to start, another chance to go out there and show what I could do in a whole offseason to improve, I would hope that I would improve. And I, I would feel like there's a, a fire lit of determination wanting to pit, like prove everybody that's ripping me on radio and TV. Like, that would eat at me. And it might not be eating at Cedric. I'm not saying it is. But it sounds like he's hearing that stuff. It sounds like he's aware of that stuff. And it sounds like he wants to at least say the right things and wants to prove people wrong. I like that. I would rather that than, yeah, you know, last year was a struggle. I think it's going to be a lot better this year. Yeah, the criticism, I don't really understand it, but... You know, it's a team game, and we just got to play better as a whole. Like, there was no anything. He's the one who said, it's all on the offensive line. He said that. That's very self-aware. We have all the weapons in the world. It's kind of on us. And by us, you could tell he was he meant a lot of him. Jake Fisher, sure. Andre Smith, sure, who I asked him about. But you could tell. At least I could, just talking to him. His facial expressions, the way he conducted himself, the way he was talking. There's pressure on himself. He's putting pressure on himself, and he admitted that he wants that pressure, that that offensive line room wants that pressure. And I'm telling you what, if that offensive line is good, watch out. I'm not saying they're going to be, and I'm not saying he's going to shock people. I do think this, though. The bar is so low for the Bengals' offensive line. Like, it's really low. I was talking uh, talking to Lance McAllister about this yesterday. It's so low that the Bengals' offensive line is going to be better than most people think. People think it's like the league's worst line ever. Like ever, ever, ever. People think, man, this, this is a great or awful, awful, awful offensive line. They don't need to be great to surprise people. They just need to be okay. Like if the Bengals finished top 20 in offensive line play, a lot of people would be surprised. I think they do. I'll say that May 24th. If they don't, Paul Alexander might need to find a new gig. I'm James Rapine. This is the Bengals Locked on Bengals podcast. I appreciate you guys for tuning in. Follow us on Twitter at Locked on Bengals as our account continues to grow. You can subscribe on iTunes and Audioboom.com. Get my tweets at James Rapine. And until tomorrow, well, you're you're going to hear from Brandon LaFell, the former Patriots wide receiver, now turned Bengal. I had a, over 800 yards last year. He talks about John Ross, Josh Malone, the new additions, and so much more. And the difference between last year and this year, as far as Brennan LaFell is concerned, because last year he was a free agent, came from New England. By the way, congrats to Andrew Hawkins, one of my favorite Bengals players, former Bengals, signed a deal with New England today. Details on my blog at ESPN1530.com. I appreciate you guys for tuning in. Until tomorrow, thank you for listening to the Lockdown Bengals podcast. 
did you watch the 2020 Reds with higher expectations than a first-round wild-card exit of epic proportions? Did you think that the Reds hitting would come around with the signings that they made last offseason? Are you wondering who is asking you all of these questions? Hi, my name is Jeff Carr, and I host the Locked On Reds podcast each and every day, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team, every day. Throughout the offseason, I'm going to take a look at these Reds, how they fix what didn't work in 2020, and how they continue their success in 2021. But wait, there's more. I'll also have interesting interviews with players, writers, and everyone in between talking about the Cincinnati Reds. Come join me on the Locked On Reds podcast each and every day.